Welcome back to the Office Marketing Podcast with Mike Swigert, the podcast all about sales tips, mindset, and value bombs. Five questions to help make your day more productive and learn a thing or two. Here is your host, best-selling author, Mike Swigert. Hey, everybody. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the Office Marketing Podcast. I uh, have the pleasure to talking uh, to a, a, a good old friend, uh, and rarely do I say that about engineers, but um, <laughs> I'm so glad to be talking to Stanton Stafford. Stanton Stafford is uh, the principal at the Integral Group here in, in Atlanta, Georgia. He is insanely talented, insanely intelligent, um, but he also loves giving to his, back to the community. He uh, just absolutely has a, a, a passion for the projects he's involved in. And, um, and we've always connected really well, Stanton. And uh, I really want to thank you for yeah. taking time out of your day to uh, share your story. Yeah, no problem, Mike. All right. So, Stanton, um, you, uh, you've, had a, you've had a fun path from UVA to uh, where you are today. And would you kind of, yeah. uh, would you kind of give us a, kind of walk us through that journey that you've been on the last 20 years, 22 years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, even before UVA, I'm born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, I'm, a, I'm an Atlanta boy, you know, very avid baseball guy. I love the Braves and kind of grew up uh, in, the, in the down, the downtime with the Braves, you know, through the eighties and kind of got to witness, you know, the pinnacle of the nineties, you know, with the Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz uh, era, which was, was fantastic. I uh, always wanted to, uh, to go to a school like UVA. So, you know, just, uh, worked hard, got in, spent, you know, four great years in Charlottesville, uh, decided out of school, I, I wasn't really ready yet to, to return back home to Atlanta, wanted to, to test the waters elsewhere. So I migrated to, uh, to Washington, DC, uh, took a first job with Jacobs engineering, you know, small, little, little company, you little know, startup, uh, just the startup. Yeah. Just a little, little startup company. But really, Stanton, uh, how big, but help people understand if you don't know engineering, Jacobs oh, probably God. touches a billion square feet a year. Yeah, I don't even know that, but I mean, I was probably a hundred thousand employees. I mean, Fortune 500, if not like Fortune 250 now, yeah. but you know, one of, okay, one of the, the ginormous engineering companies. Uh, you know, kind of cut cut my feet. You know, cut my teeth there. Um, should kind of circle back. I started into you know the MEP world. You know, mechanical engineering at, at UVA. I kind of worked my way into that uh, that concentration because my grandfather was a mechanical engineer. Uh, went to Georgia Tech. Uh, and he started his, uh, you know, his own company, hired all his brothers and was kind of, um, one, one of the, one of those guys in the early days of HVAC, um, to really kind of get that, uh, get that industry going in Atlanta. So, you know, I used to go out on the rooftops with his service techs and, and, you know, clean, clean the equipment, service the equipment. So I was exposed to HVAC, you know, in high school and if, if not, you know, a little bit earlier in my life. So. Mechanical engineering, UVA, migrated DC, Jacobs took a job, you know, within their building engineering group, um, bounced around uh, a few different companies, got exposed to the federal government, you know, you know, working for the federal government, doing some aviation work. Um, lead and, you know, sustainability was kind of, you know, growing up at that time, uh, USGBC had just been founded. So, you know, and this will all kind of come together in the end, kind of where I am, but um, became exposed to sustainable design, uh, you know, at, at, a, at an early
early, you know, age in my career. And it became kind of, you know, the, the, the big part, big theme, kind of mo moving through, you know, a couple of different stops in DC. Um, worked for, you know, a smaller AE company in Alexandria, and then ended up, you know, you know, working for an MEP focused firm, first time working for just an MEP firm, uh, AKF group uh, in Arlington, Virginia, before deciding, you know, hey, you know, I've been, I'm married, I've got, you know, two kids uh, at that time, married a fantastic mechanical engineer from UVA. Uh, we didn't know each other in school. We met at a recruiting event. So I actually recruited my wife, you know, as, as that kind of, <laughs> It may sound a little, little, little creepy, but crazy engineers. Yeah, it's just an engineer. Yeah, thing, right? I, know, yeah. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You probably so, had yeah, a spreadsheet. Our, our, you probably had a spreadsheet. Everything was all organized, all laid out before you met her. No, something like that. I mean, I tell you, our, our dinner table conversations around kind of HVAC theory were, hmm. were riveting. You know, yeah, all our guests loved having dinners with us. <laughs> but uh, no, so had, had two kids, wanted to, uh, uh, you know, be close to, you know, one set of our parents be closer. Um, and my wife's from a small town in Pennsylvania. Uh, so we ended up moving to my hometown, Atlanta, uh, in 2010, uh, joined the largest MVP firm in town, uh, spent uh, four and a half great years there running their energy and sustainability uh, group, you know, their first ever uh, leader of that group to kind of just consolidate thinking and process and an approach to uh, how you know, MEP firms attack sustainable design, energy modeling and whatnot. Um, so helped develop a lot of programs at, at Newcomb and Boyd and then got a, got a call to provide a reference uh, for one of my former Newcomb Boyd employees for this, this company called Integral Group. And I'd seen them at USUBC conferences as kind of the firm in our space, pushing the envelope, doing the work that I wanted to do. Uh, so, you know, happy to give my colleague a, a reference. He ended up getting hired, but I now know that there was kind of a dual purpose to uh, that inquiry. They were kind of feeling me out because they wanted to establish a presence in Atlanta. They'd done some work in Atlanta, but wanted to establish an office. In Atlanta, so you know, back and forth, you know, went up to DC to to meet with the the CEO, founder and CEO Kevin Hides, and they gave me an offer to open up the Atlanta office uh, for for Integral Group, and you know, it was it was just me. They hired me to do it and said, hey, um, we we want you to establish this, you know, based on you being you know you knowing the market. You being from the market, we're not going to try to push things down your throat until you have to do things a certain way. So they gave me the keys to the car. They didn't give me the owner's manual. They just said, figure it out and, you know, give us a call. Uh, you know, if you need help, we'll provide you some support, but, you know, it's really up to you. So, so then, you know, the, the odyssey began, um, you know, army of army of one in Atlanta, you know, backed by a company of 300, which was, you know, you know, great to have all these great minds doing great work uh, around zero energy, um, you know, with, with the nation's leader, North American leaders in zero energy building. So I had all these great, you know, thought leaders in the firm to, to pull from, but, but yeah, you know, going in and starting up something from, from scratch is, you know, is an interesting process, you know, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs, you know, you know, got to 
kind of throw a lot of darts at the board, see kind of what sticks, but it was all you know, always under the banner of, you know, wanting to do something different, wanting to set up a company, set up, you know, an office in my hometown to show that we could do building engineering a different way. And it wasn't just the, the old conventional model, tell me what you want and I'll do a good job. It was more proactive, you know, more forward thinking, wanting to have outcome-based designs. Um, so it kind of started with that, that whole idea and ended up you know, having some kind of some early business development success, you know, pulling in uh, the, the first project that we won was uh, the Coda building at, at Tech Square with, with Portman Architects. Now, now, uh, followed people, short... now people listening may not know sort of the scale of that project. Can you give us an idea? Like, I, I know it's a pretty good size project, but give us an idea how big that project was. Uh, so Coda, a new high rise, two tower high rise, uh, 600,000 rentable square feet on the same site. There's a, a, a data center uh, that at the time was, was, you know, planned as a 20 megawatt data center, kind of a, a co-located where Georgia Tech, you know, they, they're the, the primary impetus in developing the Tech Square area of Midtown Atlanta. You know, they were using this concept as a public private incubator kind of the next generation of uh office building and you know part of the criteria was to to showcase innovative thinking relative to systems relative to energy you know consumption sustainability uh so you know in conversations with with portman uh i knew georgia tech who you know was was ultimately selecting the developer team wasn't going to be interested in, in conventional solutions and, you know, wanted to think about, you know, ways we could leverage waste energy in a productive way, um, how to showcase leadership in terms of implementing systems approaches that were not uh, widespread and kind of embedded in, in the bulk of buildings. So, you know, pitching an idea of doing chill beams, you know, within a commercial office space hadn't been done in Atlanta. It's certainly not at the scale that, you know, we were talking, you know, Georgia Tech was going to take roughly half of the 600,000 uh, square feet. So chill beams across, you know, 300,000 some odd square feet of high rise office in the middle of, you know, a, an urban corridor in a hot, humid climate. Um, scared a lot of people so it was a lot of selling and reselling and reselling you know the concept and yes it will work um you know but ultimately got that built um became one of the first three lead corn shell platinum certified projects in georgia now this is your um, first now wait now you're with integral this was your first big win here in town right this is the first big win. You know, the second big win actually got completed first. So Coda took a long time because we had to dig down yeah. 40 feet to come back up. But NCR's headquarter right down on the street from Coda was actually the first project. The second project that, you know, we ended up pulling in um, to the Atlanta office. Uh, but the first project did complete. So that NCR ended up being the first lead corn shell platinum certified hey, Stan, project in Georgia. I don't think you know this, but most people, when they were in their first jobs, when they get jobs, it's not um, 600,000 square foot projects. It's regularly their buddies out parcel 
Like that's regularly what people's <laughs> first jobs are. <laughs> so well done, Stan. Seriously, very well, very well I had, done. Yeah, I had a had a lot of smart people behind me that it really made it possible, and it was really being able to show capacity uh, as a firm with a portfolio like Integral had that 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 made kind of my pitch actually resonate. And it wasn't just one guy yeah. in an office saying, "Trust me, you know, I can do yeah, it yeah, for yeah, you." Yeah, yeah. Um, but it sounds like but they yeah, put their so trust. They put their trust in the right spot. I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, really creative thinking from an MVP firm. I mean, that's one thing we talked about on on the pre-call. I'm so impressed. Like, I really am. Like, MEPs, um, if anybody's listening, I was in lighting for commercial lighting for over five years, six years. And engineering firms always scared me. Like, they really did. Like, I felt like I could go to design firms and architects and and talk and bring value. But when it came to engineers, they were always just like, yeah, but you guys are creative. You bring you bring something else to the table, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we are an MEP firm at our core, and you know, that's you know the bulk of our business, the bulk of, of what we do. Uh, but we we don't like to lead with that in terms of kind of how we approach projects, and and that's why we've kind of developed you know a suite of services that relate to you know the core business but really kind of bridge that, um, not divide, but bridge that gap between architecture and engineer to really, you know, help our architect clients, help our owner clients understand, you know, the interwoven nature of their, their decision-making process. So through programs, you know, through services like design analytics, uh, which is really, you know, driven approach to, to modeling and decision-making, uh, also leveraging, you know, a, a graphics group that we have in-house, take the numbers and make them more accessible from a visual and be knowing that architects and owners, you know, numbers, you know, don't mean that much. And, you know, until you bring it into some format that it's digestible, um, looking at building envelope, looking at daylighting, looking at carbon metrics, looking at zero energy on a building and campus scale, what's possible, you know, how do we approach these projects and setting them up in concept or schematic design before we really ever get to a discussion around systems, you know, what, what HVAC system are you going to put in there? How are you going to approach architectural lighting? Um, what's, you know, the power for structure look like? Getting kind of the plan for the project, you know, from a building scale up to city planning scale, you know, and when we when you tackle all these different scales at integral, uh, but setting the project in the right way, developing a plan of attack, understanding the owner's goals and objectives, and then catering our analysis in parallel with the architect, the civil, the structural, you know, helping guide that analysis, set a path for the outcome that will, will generate the, the biggest okay. success. Well, Stanton, know. has this, and, and I hope this isn't a tough question, but I know that back, you know, eight years ago, if you were talking lead silver, it was going to cost you this much more to build a building. If you're going to go gold, it was going to cost you this much more. If you're going to go platinum, it was like, holy moly, are you really going to blow your budget and try to go that way? Has it, has it gotten more affordable to chase a, uh, a a green solution or a or a, a the right solution. I mean, absolutely, and I, I don't think we at Integral and you know, in some of our parent institutions ever thought it was that much more 
expensive. It just required a different way of thinking. Okay. So, you know, with, with NCR, for, you know, for example, uh, when we came on board, you know, Cousins, very, you know, fantastic, reputable, um, strong real estate firm. They had their way of things. They had their own project requirement document that kind of defined, well, this is what we expect. These are the systems. This is the approach. You know, we expect lead silver and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, they, they pulled me in the, uh, into the team based on my pitch of, hey, let's think differently about how we can attack these buildings. But then they, you know, gave me the owner's project requirement document. I'm like, you know, wait a second. You hired me to be different. Why would I want to just settle for this without kind of guiding you through a process? Um, so they're like, okay. Um, so started pitching them different systems approaches, the importance of passive design, importance of envelope, importance of glazing selection. You know, how could we integrate all these different things, you know, into the envelope, which is the most important system in a building. It is not the mechanical system. If you want a good building that is healthy, comfortable, and efficient, you got to get your envelope right. And I'll say that, you know, 10 times over, it's not the mechanical system system that's going to save you, you know, from, you know, energy inefficiency or create an efficient building. Um, but anyway, going through the process with, with the cousins saying, okay, what if we could get you lead platinum without spending more money than you'd envisioned for your lead silver pro forma? Would you be interested in that? And, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that'd be fantastic, you know, but how are we going to attack that? And, you know, we had great, you know, partners on the team kind of backing me up, you know, with due to pain and HKS and working buildings, you know, John McFarland, you know, great advocate for really uh, pushing the envelope in this town, great credibility, um, you know, help, helping, helping us push some of these issues. So it came into a conversation. Okay. What do we do? And realized that cousins wasn't terribly concerned as a company around reliability of energy. You know, Georgia Power has been able to produce, you know, consistent energy um, at an affordable rate for years. Um, but what has happened in Atlanta with, with growth of our population and basically decrease in our water reservoir is water has become a more precious resource. It's not that we don't get enough, you know, rain on an annual basis to to sustain, which, you know, we do. It's just our reservoirs are depleting, you know, based on our, our demand. So found this out about, you know, Cousins, knowing, knowing we were going to excavate, dig down a little bit on Spring Street, which has a lot of underground water. And part of all, every high rise is, you know, when you hit the water, you have to put in a dewatering system to keep the water off of the foundation. So you know, you're putting your waterproofing whatnot, but you need to get that you know, static pressure of the water off your foundation to preserve the integrity of your foundation. Well, the conventional approach was you put in those systems, you put in those sumps and they collect the water and then they dump it out into the storm sewer. So basically you're collecting it and you're just moving it offsite as quickly as possible. But well, what if we had enough supply from the groundwater and demand from the building to balance out? What if instead of capturing and dumping we captured treated and reused They're like oh wow this, that, that could work and so going to the geotech analysis you know 10 gallons per minute of constant water flow you know adds up to a lot of water over the course of the year when you juxtapose that with 
you know, the flush, you know, the flushing that you need for your toilet fixtures, the makeup water you need for cooling towers, the irrigation demands lined up pretty damn good. This episode of the Office Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Fusion Advisory. We help commercial contractors generate leads online profitably. Check us out at fusion-advisory.com. Yeah. I know I could, I, I feel like I'm geeking out and getting really excited about everything you're saying, but I, um, I have a funny feeling someone's going, yeah, you lost me at the toilet flush part, <laughs> but I love so, it. I, th- this is the, incredible. The, the, the big takeaway, the big takeaway is for less than 0.1% of a cost increase to the project, we were able to put in the harvesting and treatment mechanism to take this water that you were going to capture Anyway, put them rogers in the building, and we're able to reuse that harvested water to offset 100% of the flushing, 100% of the irrigation, and about 80% of the water we need for cooling tower, HVAC evaporation. Simple payback, less than 12 months, just leveraging what you had. And it's just like, why haven't we been doing this all along? And so knocked out all the lead water efficiency points, did well in energy, lead platinum, actually the first dual platinum certified with, with the commercial interiors project in the Southeast was NCR phase one. Wow. Well done. I'm so excited to hear that. You know, I, um, I, I have a, a daughter at Georgia Tech and she loves hearing so many of the great stories that Georgia Tech has been a part of. I know the CODA project was that. The NCR campus is just you know, a stone's throw off Georgia Tech's campus. Yeah, yeah. My, she lived right next door, one of the high rises right next to NCR for the last couple of years. So cool. Yep. It's exciting. The kids, I know she's 21. She loves being in that environment of creative thinking, loving the environment, loving without blowing a budget or make it's not it's not a bad business. It's a brilliant business decision. Sustainability is cost effective. You just I love it. You can't treat it the way the 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 media tells you you need to treat it, it or it's 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 new thinking it's collaborative thinking so well hey so talk us I, tell us a little bit more so if i had a project coming up I, you mentioned about the building envelope which i thought was really cool outside of the building envelope what are some things that people should be thinking about in 20 we're probably they're probably thinking about projects for 2022 and beyond right so you know harvesting water Yep. What were some of the really progressive ideas people could be thinking about when it comes to um, their buildings in the near future? I mean, there, there are two big overarching kind of themes that are kind of going on. One is, is relatively obvious, you know, with COVID, you know, basically creating environments, safe environments for us to move back into buildings. Um, so that's kind of one one area of focus, you know, that, that we've been been working on. Um, the other area is, is around resilience and, you know, with climate challenges, with infrastructure challenges, kind of what you saw in Texas last month, you know, with their grid, you know, going down, you know, it was just an example of a grid that wasn't set up with checks and balances to, you know, handle a situation like that. California with wildfires. I mean, the, there are a lot of things happening that are challenging, you know, health and wellness and the resilience you know, of our cities and, and, and ability to to leverage and use buildings for the purposes you know under which they were constructed um so kind of within that health and wellness space you know we've been developing and kind of spearheading um 
plan development and implementation of health and wellness strategies uh, for a lot of Fortune 50 companies where, you know, that they're, they're not necessarily just going to one standard or other standard, you know, we're kind of pulling parts and pieces of different approaches, you know, like well or fit well uh, into the equation. But again, listening to goals and objectives and kind of understanding where they want to be on the healthy material spectrum. So again, engineer kind of doing some industry leadership or, you know, relative to, to healthy materials compliance and, and consulting. And, that, and that's part of our sustainability consulting group where we're getting beyond certifications into kind of what does sustainability really mean. Um, so look, looking at it from that angle, but also looking at it from an air delivery angle, you know, how can we take existing buildings and make them safer? How can we rethink approaches to new buildings um, and implement strategies that set it up for success in the next pandemic. How do we avoid um, mm -hmm. that pause? Oh, we got to figure it out. No, we've got a system that can adapt um, that is set up in such a way that it's not going to be perfect, but it's certainly safer and better than what we had before you know, the pandemic. And that's kind of leveraging a lot of strategies that we talk about, but now they're becoming more um, kind of out, out in front of a lot of our projects. I love it. Um, within love the resilient space, yeah. microgrids, um, batteries, um, just kind of re rethinking, you know, the, the electrical grid and, and distribution, you know, a lot of localized distribution, just so you're not dependent on one source. So, you know, building in redundancy within your infrastructure, you know, leveraging the utility combined with localized generation, localized storage, just kind of rethinking that um, on the water side, the harvesting, I mean, having a water source. So oh, right. if the city says, you know, you can't use water for your HVAC, well, that's fine. I got a supply on site, I can keep rolling. And that's the revenue that building owners, you know, would lose if they didn't have the strategy. So rethinking like their value proposition. It's not about operational pay payback. It's about what happens if I have to go down, how much revenue do I lose if I have to go down for a week? Well, if you don't, if you think that way during design, maybe you don't. Maybe you're the only building that's operating and, and now you're a leg up in your competition. I love it. Stan, I love the way you think. You, obviously, you understand it's in your blood. You know, engineering is in your blood. But I, one thing I always loved about you is that you always think big picture, but yet you can you can get so granular so quickly with still understanding the influences of the um, importance of being fiscally responsible and the sustainability, like you do it so well. I've never met anybody in my life that's capable of, of hitting all those. I don't, I don't want to blow smoke, but you have a little Elon Musk in you. Like you kind of have that, that ability to kind of see the big picture and the granular is really, it's a great superpower. <laughs> I just need to figure out how to, to, to scale it like an Elon Musk, you know, so we can no, no, re no. really start tackling it. Yeah. For selfish reasons, we want to keep you in Atlanta because you are, a, <laughs> you're an absolute, um, you, you really are, you're a real gem to the city. And I'm, and I'm, I'm excited to see um, almost like how Portman can look at the skyline of Atlanta and go how much he impacted our skyline in our city. I think 20 years from now, you're going to be able to look at this and go, Hey, that was me. I, I was able to be a part of this, 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 and this, and that's pretty cool. I think you should be really proud of yourself. Thanks. Yeah, we're we're involved in a, in a couple more large urban infrastructure projects that I can't 
talk about openly now that you know once those really go in, get going you know we're going to have another very interesting conversation oh we'll have it because i think I, you know transformative I talk, stuff I, so i can geek out on engineering I, we you could be a, a recurring um guest i think there's going to be a certain group of people that are gonna be like oh i loved it stan's he's incredible like it's the way you're able to think but hey let's let's get a little more about you tell us a little bit about you and maybe some things that people don't specifically know about stan stafford uh you, you you may not be able to guess by looking at me, but I love heavy metal music. <laughs> That's my thing, man. Perfect. You know, Perfect. Pantera, Metallica, you know, just, just hard and heavy and, you know, it, it mellows me out. So that's kind of one thing where people are like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Um, with my family right now, cool, cool little challenge we got going little, little quest we got going uh we're trying to hit all 50 states as a family before our oldest you know uh daughter 13 year old daughter graduates from high school uh so that's kind of informed our travel uh we've hit 40 states already and you know we got you know a good bit of time to go but i love planning trips you know maybe you know it's, it's the engineering me but you know i you know planning trips is is you know extremely fun therapeutic exciting i love exploring and, and trying new things um so that's kind of you know the, the, you know somewhat adventurous sides um i i've helped start a couple of nonprofits. um you know mike you, you know uh life cycle building center uh here in atlanta um i have i like to volunteer you know i'd say one one bit of advice you know to to any, anybody young starting their career would be to volunteer. Uh, you get exposed to different people, all you know, walks of life, all you know, levels within the the corporate infrastructure, and you get to do different things. And it's really a way to to network and get out there. Um, and so, you know, starting with USGBC, really you know, got that going. But Lifecycle Building Center was kind of a, a passion project that I got pulled into. Um, nonprofit By the way, focused on Stanton. I don't want to go too deep into LBC. Yeah. But for any, I'm going to put the link in the show notes. Stanton and I um, got to be uh, friends maybe 10 years ago, or maybe eight years ago, um, being a part of a, um, a Life Cycle Building Center. Guys, if, if just take your time, dig deep into it. Um, Stanton's put so much of his, his life and his passion into it. It is an amazing, um, amazing nonprofit here in Atlanta. It is nonprofit, right, Stan? Ish. It's a nonprofit. Okay. Yeah. I know they. I know they have some. They do some things where they generate. Can you give us a nickel tour? Can you get sixty seconds or less? Can you tell us everything about LBC? Give, give me the give me the elevator speech. That's all I want. Uh, so the Lifecycle Building Center is a a nonprofit focused on building material salvage and reuse. So essentially, we take uh, what would normally go to the landfill. We wear warehouse it and then we either donate it to nonprofits or schools or we sell at deep discounts from the new equivalent to the general public We've got a warehouse in southwest atlanta uh that's about to go under renovation uh recently completed a major capital campaign it's been you know an incredible journey from keeping the doors open month to month you know thinking we we're going to close to kind of where we are now um but yeah i encourage anybody who's looking for you know inexpensive but quality building materials to, to support a home renovation or office renovation check them out all right that was awesome Stan. you've done it so well i really do i'm 
I'm I'm a huge fan of all you do. Okay, talk to us. You you hinted a little bit about your grandfather who yep. uh, went to Georgia Tech. Can you give me another good role model that, uh, or or is it going to be your granddad that you look up to? I, you know, my grandfather really got me, you know, rolling, you know, planted planted the seed. You know, I never really envisioned, you know, in high school that I'd end up in in HVAC doing this. You know, I, I thought I'd do something else, but you know, it was kind of always there. Um, in terms of, you know, professional, uh, role models, um, our current, you know, CEO, you know, even before integral, I mean, I told you that they were kind of the, the firm that was charting the path You know, he was, he was somebody who, who could, you know, walk the talk and, you know, built, built a business that, you know, inspired, you know, our, our motto is trust, nurture, inspire. You know, so he built a business, you know, on that three-legged stool and, you know, he's, he's someone, Kevin Hydes, who uh, I think, you know, the, the industry, former chair of USGBC, he's, he's somebody who, you know, the industry, you know, knows and acknowledges and he's just kind of a, a very inspirational person. He's, he's the one who taught me kind of the mantra of, of sales and business development and, you know, professional relationships is, is two words. It's to be in, interesting and to be interested. So you need to come, you need to bring something to the table, but you also need to listen and you need to be, you know, be interested in, in what your clients are doing and, and, and show them that you want to support them. But then you need to, you need to give them something. You need to provide something interesting um, as opposed to just kind of looking for, Hey, just give me some business. So I love it. Kind of a mantra that I, I quote over and over and over, you know, when I'm talking to people about business development, if you can just think about that in your interactions, all right. Is there a, is there a book that's jumping out that you're enjoying right now or one that's really impacted you here recently? Book? Um, not so much. I'm, I'm kind of a short snippet type type reader. Um, kind of you know, you're, you're reading articles to kind of stay, stay in tune. My, my daughter's the, the avid reader you know, in the family and then she's, you know, turned, turned me on to, you know, that the, the Harry Potter series, you know, I was kind of late to that game. Um, but yeah, yeah, enjoy kind of disconnecting, you know, when, when I do read, you know, disconnecting from this world and going into, you know, a different, you know, a different world, a more fantasy world that's, you know, also kind of somewhat based in, in reality. So yeah, I mean, the, the Hunger Games series and, you know, Harry Potter, you know, it's just kind hey, of, that's, it's, it's, it's a nice release. I think there's about a billion uh, people that have read the Harry Potter series. So I don't think yeah, you're I in know. the minority. <clears throat> it's great. Yeah, um, yeah. You'll appreciate this. My daughter, who's again, she's a junior at Georgia Tech. She just went, did midterms or not just recently, just hammered with school. And I called her. I was like, hey, sweetie, how's everything going? Da, da, da. She goes, oh, it's good. I'm glad they're done. Da, da, da. And I said, well, what are you up to? And she goes, oh, I'm just reading. And like her way of recharging after midterm finals is to read and when i was in college i don't think i was unwinding while reading but her it, it just it speaks to her it helps it, yeah. it's her therapy yeah very cool yeah i, I have gotten in i have gotten into fly fishing which Ooh. is a lot of fun i mean it's that's very therapeutic and it's you know it's it's different from you know just just real fishing um just because of the constant motion and kind of the, the strategy and whatnot. And, and actually I didn't, I didn't tell you this yet, Mike, but 
in May, we're moving up to North Georgia. We're relocating right. out of Atlanta. I'm going to stay in my position, you know, you know, within integral. Um, but we, we're going to you know, have a new home right on the Chattahoochee River. Right? Nice. Like Tekoa? So, Where are you going up that way? Uh, Clarksville. Nice. So, oh, okay. So anybody between that's, Clarksville and Helen. I know exactly. Where you're, so if yeah. anybody's listening, I, again, I could geek out about that because I'm a cyclist and I have ridden mm -hmm. tens of thousands of miles in North Georgia. Where Stanton is talking about is literally one of the most beautiful places in the world. And, uh, and I've gotten, I've been blessed to be able to see it at three miles an hour climbing up these hills and 55 miles an hour going down. So going down, it, yeah. you're really Stan, you're and uh, you're uh, okay. We'll talk about that later. Let's not talk about that online. All right. Last question for you. Um, you've got to pick a, um, it's uh, game seven of the world series. Um, it's, uh, Braves and Yankees or Houston, whoever's going to be good this year. You need, you can pick one starter in the history of the Atlanta Braves in their prime. Who's the one starter you're going with in game seven? Yeah. As, as much as I think Greg's Matt, Greg Maddox was kind of the guy back in the day, I'm going to have to go with Smoltzy and John mm -hmm. Smoltz, just power pitcher clutch, you know, just, just ultimate competitor. Um, amazing athlete. Then give him, give him the ball in game seven, game seven and, you know, get him to lock it down. Yeah, I love that. I didn't know if you were going to go Smoltz. I mean, obviously he, he and I are the same age. We live not far away from each other. We, our paths cross a lot. Oh. The, um, I didn't know if you were going to go Smoltz or I thought maybe you were going to go Necro. I thought there was an outside chance you were going to pull Actually, one out. You know, I'd love to see Necro in 2021 pitch a game seven because I just think it'd be kind of funny to watch, uh, watch him pitch in a game seven. Yeah, game seven, a, a knuckle, knuckleballer in the day where it's very hard to find a knuckleballer. No, I hear you. I hear you. All right. So, and the last one, it's, um, again, now now it's, uh, again, ninth inning, down by one, runners on second, uh, bases loaded, down by one, and only one guy gets to go up to bat. All right? You get I mean, to send one batter. You know, it, one it, batter? Down by one, bases loaded, two outs. You get to send one batter up to bat for the Braves. Who are you sending up to bat? So it has to, it has to be a Braves player. Um, <laughs> yes, it has to be a Braves player. We're in Atlanta. Otherwise, I'd say, I, otherwise I'd say like Tony, Tony Gwynn or something no, like that. Yeah, but, uh, it's a good contact hitter. I like that. Um, I, I, I think, you know, at his prime, uh, a Terry Pendleton TP. would be that, that contact guy who – you know, can put the ball in play, get you a hit, not going to go for the home run. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That just popped into my head. I think, I think Terry Pendleton, you know, like back, in, back in the day, back in his prime, you know, was the guy. He had a couple, you know, great years for us. He did. He did. And a batting coach for many years. So, hey, uh, walk me uh, through. If somebody wanted to get in touch with you, Stanton, would, would LinkedIn be the best way to grab you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm avid, you know, uh, contributor to – and poster on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a great way to get in touch with me. Um, you can also go to the Integral Group website, which is integralgroup.com. Um, not to be confused with the Integral Group, which is a developer in Atlanta. We're a different company. You know, that's 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 another podcast for you. There's a good story there, Mike. Um, Believe me, you'll be yeah, back go on. Go to the website. You can. You'll be back on, yeah. Stan. I'll put all your links. I'll put your in the show notes. I'll put all your links. But if anybody wants to know, Stan yeah. S T A N. T O N S T A F F O R D. Um, and um, Stanton is easy to find. 
Um, his title on LinkedIn shows him as principal, mechanical engineer, business development leader, nonprofit board member. I mean, Stanton, you're just really, thank you for taking time. I hope anybody that listened today uh, walks away having a, um, uh, a new perspective and um, has another great voice to listen to in, in this uh, construction world. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Office Marketing Podcast. Be sure to join the conversation on our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Facebook pages. If you enjoyed the episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.